see. Okay, we are connected. Now, do we hear music is the next question. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. go i think did y'all hear that music intro here on the board yes we beautiful yes we did i love it everything's working the way it should thank you paul spent a little time with paul last night trying to overcome the uh uh, the inconsistencies of microsoft programmers thank you paul uh, yep thank you paul and we didn't even have to bother paul in his gallbladder surgery recuperation which is fantastic so here we go on the Wednesday edition. What is today? The 21st or 22nd? 21st. Like 21st of December. Uh, Roger Sales with you, obviously, your host, and all these fine jitsy folks on the board here. And you may be listening out there as we're streaming on either Eurofolk Radio Network or Global Voice Radio Network. And uh, we'll see if we can't salvage the week from the two shows that earlier thanks to kind of screwed up thanks to again the hb1 visa code writers at microsoft uh so uh, we were talking right before we went on the air here as we're prone to do on this board a chatter bunch of chatterboxes on here uh evidently said so now who who brought that forward evidently mr uh, michael herzog on his tuesday night national intel report did a a little cameo appearance on uh, what we do here and how important it is. Does anybody that heard that one relate it again? So now we're on the air, everybody can hear it. Now nobody wants to talk. <laughs> how typical. <laughs> All right. Well, somewhere evidently yesterday in Michael Herzog's Tuesday edition on uh, RBN that he. That was me, Roger. Okay, Mike. Well, why don't you tell us about it, would you? Because I didn't hear it. Yeah, he. Uh... He was talking about how uh, his experience with his ex-wife from Scotland, how she was trying to stay in the United States, and how she was being treated and falsely being abused, and and how the illegal aliens were being released, and how the drivers of the, the coyotes were being arrested because they were U.S. citizens, and how their status uh, pretty much, if you're a U.S. citizen, you're a slave, and it was pretty good. Okay. But anybody needs to listen to it. It was a good program. All right. Well, good for Michael. I appreciate the plugs over there. He and I had a private conversation over the weekend, I think, and uh, he was telling me, he said, look, your your message needs to be the number one message on RBN. And I, I don't disagree with him, you know. Uh, hey, Roger. Yes. Yeah, I had a chance to hear Michael. Michael's one of my favorite hosts. Uh, it's Spingola. Um, I would say Spingola, Daniels, and Herzog in that order, only because Michael didn't get John. I was kicked him off, so he could never stay in track all the time with his stuff. But uh, he was uh, he was basically saying that you and he are the only people that are um, really worth listening to on RBN. Almost, I mean, he was quite strong about it. Um, That's a hell of a statement when you're on that network. Well, he's sort of saying, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. 
And on top of it, I got people calling into other programs and dissing me there. And he says, I really don't need it. He says, I can get more done driving my Uber and telling people who want to hear a message. Uh, he says, sometimes then I think I'm getting done here on RBN. So that was pretty much the hard end of it. But praising you and uh, the wand um, in general. I mean, Mike's the kind of guy that looks into stuff. And you're not going to tell him he's wrong once he's done his research. Because he's very thorough. So... Well, it was a good you know, program. RBN is an interesting situation, and it's tragic in many ways uh, because of Statmiller uh, running the thing like a like his own little proprietary store and leaving it in a mess. And you know, and uh, quite frankly, uh, and there's hardly ever been any real management over there that that I can tell. Statmiller never listened to any of the, the programs on the network, uh, and um, He'd blow in. This is what I hear secondhand from people that were involved. And he'd blow into the network 15 minutes before his show and do his show and blow out and go home. I don't know what he did at home. Uh, but uh, he left it with a lot of chaos and somebody that kind of used his, his own personal piggy bank in all actuality. Best I guess I can describe it. Um, but you got just a conglomeration of hosts over there uh, that – Sometimes I have to wonder. I think I mentioned this story the other day. I've got a relationship with uh, the guy that runs the spots, the make pigs fly spots, ease off thing. And he wanted to, when when I first started appearing over there, he wanted to file an affidavit, but he doesn't have internet at home. And so I said, well, reluctantly, I said, okay, I'll do it for you. You know, and he paid me, of course. And, uh, but we've developed a friendship over a few calls, and he's the one that generally called when Skype rings and we're on the air a couple of times. Well, that's him because he doesn't listen and because he doesn't have Internet. So uh, anyway, uh, we were talking and got off on uh, just a friendly conversation and uh, dealing with this, and he was telling me, he said, you know, because he monitors RBN because you can do the call-in line. So he um, – calls in on Saturday morning and there's the Saturday morning hosts that are dissing him. You know, they're making fun of his commercials and saying what kind of a man would skin pigs and uh, all kinds of, I guess they thought they're being funny, you know, as morning men apt to do. And these guys are mostly over there. They're amateurs and, uh, they don't realize what radio is all about, you know, really. Uh, and the fact that uh, they think they're just being stars and, and, you know, here's a guy that's supporting the network, okay, and putting spots on there. They're even altering his spots. When the pig squeals at the end, they laid some other kind of uh, of audio track over it and, and like, really poking fun at him. And he, he told me, he said, you know, Roger, I've stroking them a check for $1,000 a month, and I've never gotten one customer out of RBN. I do it to support the network. And here he listens in, and the morning team is making fun of him and making fun of his his product, you know. And so uh, I said, well, Chris, I'll de- I'm going to get hold of Tom on this one, okay. And uh, so I contacted Tom D., and I said, you better call this guy because uh, some of your people over there are really screwing up on this, okay. Radio traditionally tries to put out programming to attract you, the listener, so they can sell your ears. I mean, that's really what's going on. 
Okay, they're selling their audience's ears. All right, and so it just uh, flies in the face of everything on what these guys were doing. They don't have a whole lot of real regular advertisers over there, folks. Okay, I mean everybody's struggling, and here this morning team is is making fun of one of their consistent long term advertisers. It just well, it made the hair on the back of my arms crawl. Okay, really, so that's why I contacted Tom and. You know, there's other people. Somebody over there was running me down uh, in what we do. I don't know who it was. Somebody just told me about it. I don't really care. Um, But there you go, internal strife because there's no management over there. And then Statmiller was the management. And then after he passed away, now they've got a management board, you know, and the people that run the board and one or two other announcers and Tom D. And it's like the blind leading the blind. You know, honestly. Well, the, the the other thing that ticked off Mike, now that I think about it, was last week he had his daughter on, and uh, she was skeptical of the unit because she's into things like frequency healing and massage and stuff like right, that. Right. And and she's a, and she's a bit esoteric. Um. And some of the calls she got in, they started talking a, a little on the subject of the Kundalini. And chakras, so that got some callers to call in, I think, on John Moore's show, if I got this straight, and this, his anti-Christian spirit, and his daughter's anti-Christian spirit. And John Moore goes, we're not anti-Christian, we love Israel. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, it's a, and the, the other thing I got out of what Mike was saying is, and he made sure that he didn't have anything to do with any of the decisions happening at RBN. But it sounds like there's a lot of problems in the background. There are. It sounds like a bunch of chiefs and not enough Indians right now. So whether that sorts itself out or not doesn't sound too good because from what well, I heard from Mike. You know, so. the, the the gist I get is Tom D's a good guy. I've had a number of, uh, you know, different associations with him. and um, But he doesn't know Jack Squad about radio. He was, a, he was a lineman, used to work for the, you know, at the scanning thing at the airports and all that stuff, right? So he just doesn't know about radio. And uh, so anyway, it's kind of a mess. I hope they hold it together. We certainly need the outlet over there. I'm sure they provide a lot of good information. I don't listen to them very much, if at all. Uh, but um, anyway, that's just a little story. I'm glad Michael got on there yesterday. I think he's right uh, in the fact that uh, I got the most important message over there. But uh, well, both in health, both in health right now, in his opinion, as well as in status and freedom. Right, right, right. right. He, he made that point several times. Well, um, and I, and of course, your health is part of your basic, for even what, the most important element of all those elements of your freedom, personal freedom. If you're not healthy, not, you can have all the money in the world. You can live wherever you want. You can be out of the system, and uh, you can be attached to God. And if you don't have your health, it's just that's not going to play out for you very long, you know. So, uh, right. anyway, yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Paul. 
<laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I think now would be a great time to tell people when and how they can catch you on RBN on Sunday. I, you know what we need to do is I need to write out a little thing on my at where I appear during the week with links and put them on the website somewhere. But uh, I thought of that sometimes, just hadn't done it. Well, of course, I am over on RBN. I took Ralph Winterout's uh, spot, the late Ralph Winterout, who built that spot. I guess best I've been able to think back on is at least 25 years. I mean, he was in that slot for at least 20 plus, I think it's 25 plus years. Okay. So he built a very loyal audience over there. And, uh, uh, when he passed away, unfortunately, untimely, um, uh, Tom had been introduced to my stuff earlier in the year, last year, we, this year earlier, and we'd uh, done a show and, you know, D was going like, well, uh, this is the answer I've been looking for for 40 years is this little connection. What did everybody miss? The feudal system. They can't connect birthright citizenship to the feudal system because they don't have that legal knowledge in their background. It's an easy connection to make, but if you don't know that feudal system was the only system of law in history of the world where they assigned a political status at birth determined on where you're born, you can't make that connection. That's why all these other people are going around like Don Quixote jousting at windmills because they miss that connection right there. And you got to admit, it's very, very subtly hidden. Okay. I mean, they, these guys, remember, this was done 160, 170 years ago. This was set up. I mean, they knew this back then, okay? And so uh, it's amazing to me, but that's where we are, whatever the reason. God had me cross paths with John and Glenn when I did, and uh, I was a very good student. I was looking for answers. I was looking for truth. I wasn't looking to get away from the IRS. I believe that's why none of those other people took this further, because after John and Glenn, they raided the offices, and they started going through all that crap. Everybody else scattered, you know, oh, well. I can't go get my IRS stuff taken care of. One or two guys hung with the IRS stuff, but I took it and said, oh, hell, there's got to be a better way to do this. I knew it was important, but, boy, I didn't know how important back then. I just knew it was important, okay? And so thankfully for that, that very slim chance that out of, I don't know how many people were in the country back then, 300 million, 320 million, out of that many people in the country, 1,200 people went through John and Glenn's. Uh, 1,200 out of 350 million, whatever it is. And I was the only one out of that 1,200 that took this further. And that's why we're here today. That's why Michael Herzog is talking about this over there because he's had it in his lap for a while. He's been messing with it for a while, but all of a sudden it gelled with him. And see, that's the problem with this information is when somebody does get exposed to it, I bet all of y'all probably echo this, when somebody does get exposed to it, it radicalizes your whole world and personal view so radically and turns everything cattywampus that it just takes a little while for that to settle in and for you to really get your arms around it. And I think that's what's happened with Michael. But it seems to have gotten it now, you know. Uh, it's completely and, and, empowering. That's why I, I, I get so frustrated when I can't get to Michael, Mike Adams and stuff two years ago. So we'd had two years of this information being out on a big platform and way for enough time for enough people to get their arms around it. So that's my frustration with the inability to get to this next level is I know even when we get there that there's a time lag for most people. 
Okay. So that's part of my frustrations and the reason that I get aggravated, you know, with it. So anymore, I said, well, I don't need to get aggravated at my age. I'll just turn it over to the big guy. When God, on God's perfect timing, the door will open. Okay. And that's the only way I know to approach this and maintain my sanity. Well, actually, I just checked. And on exposedthematrix.com, uh, also known as thematrixstocks.com, uh, the iTerra information is there. Sovereign to Surf is there. Uh, the PPN Radio Ranch Link is there. Eurofolk Radio is there. The CastBox archives are there. RBN uh, link and information is there. Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Your book link is there, and uh, Eurofolk Radio link, is, is and the connect, a Global Voice Radio. Is the connection to Thumper there? No. Okay, that's the one that needs to be added. Um, but Roger? Uh, yes. You need to charge them for advertising then. <laughs> I don't want to charge for anything. I mean, really. I don't want to charge for personal consultations, but people insist on getting one. And the only reason I did that was to try and force people onto the onto the air so they could ask their questions so everybody can hear the answer and get schooled rather than me having to answer 50 damn emails. Oh, I understand that, Roger. I was just playing around. But, but when you charge somebody, that's, you know, the value of their, you know, recognition. And, uh, they you know, they charge everybody else to do something like that. But I'm just kind of. Well, I know, but and I went through a lot of deliberation on this. Is one thing is I didn't want the stigma of of knowing what this is and teaching it to you folks, and then having somebody go, "Oh, he's just doing it to make money." Well, I'm not doing it to make money, you know. And by the way, if I was doing the wand to make money, I'd be charging some of you here on this on this information. I don't care about the money, okay? I don't care about it, and. uh my, I don't think you ought to charge people for freedom. I expect you to pay me by learning the damn information. Now, a bunch of you won't do that. You know, they'll run off and, oh, well, what do I say in the cover letter? What do I do this? Who do I send it to? You know, well, you haven't learned the information very much. You know, but I don't even charge them, okay? So it frustrates me. It frustrates the hell out of me, but I understand that's the general mindset of people is we've been conditioned so very subtle, subtly but effectively for instant gratification. You know, yo, you got you want to go buy that? Put your credit card, debit card down. You want to, you got, you got a headache? Go take a pill. You got this problem? Go take care of it this way. It's all instant gratification. And this isn't instant hey, gratification. Yes. Hey, Roger, yeah. tell him about the gentleman who you did everything for, and he uh, refused the ticket. Oh, you mean, oh, Chris. Yeah, well, he's the guy. I mean, he's a good guy. I have really, I really, I like talking to him, you know. He's just real easy to talk to, and we relate well. And um, he went through all this, and he was speeding in town one day to do something. He got stopped with for a speeding, and he didn't have a seatbelt on. And so uh, he had done all his notices properly, okay? 
I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, he's in town again. He's got his, I don't remember how old his mom is, in her 80s. And she had fallen in the shower one night. Well, she, went, she went to take a leak in the middle of the night. She doesn't like to turn the lights on because then it messes her up getting back to sleep with her eyes dilating and adjusting. So she goes to the bathroom with the light off, and she stumbles in the shower and falls and breaks her ribs. Okay, and so he's got her in the car. It's hot. It was earlier in the summer in Missouri, and uh, he goes into the judge in there. And I guess he was in chambers with the judge. Is the impression I got from the story. And the judge looked at up. He, he looked at him and said, "I read your affidavit." He didn't say it was good. He didn't say it was bad. He didn't make any comments. Just said, "I read your affidavit." Well, to me, that's a, that's acceptance because there's no objection. Okay. And he said, I'll tell you what, go down the hall and pay the $10 seatbelt charge and I'll, and everything will go away. Now, that was an act of the judge recognizing to some extent what's going on and making him a conciliatory offer where the judge still saves face, okay, for 10 bucks. So do you want to fight that on principle or do you want to pay the 10 bucks and not have to spend your life going in and doing that? Well, that's the question some of you got to answer, okay? I'd have paid the $10 and skated on like a man did. Chris, and he was in a bad mood, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. So now he has to reschedule and get in into a hearing or courtroom setting. And thank goodness the judge went through the procedure and said, pay the $10 and you're, you're out of here. So he went back, paid the $10 this time, and it's all gone away. Now, that was the judge admitting to the correctness of this, but not wanting to be the judge that pulls the card out of the bottom of the house cards. Okay? So that was his, I'm going to save a little face. I'll offer you this compromise. Chris didn't take it the first time. He did take it the second time. Okay? And so it's just an example, and you can't call these things in advance. Every judge has got a different personality. All, all of them got different orientations. Uh, uh, all these different jurisdictions around the country. You can't just say it's going to happen this way every time. You know, well, look at Judy, our friend Judy, that got caught in a similar sort of situation down there in Georgia, and I think she's confronted them and stood her ground, and they've never moved on her on a trial down there in in Taylor County. I think it is. Anyway, it's, it's down in mid Georgia with you know the uh, Judge Roy being the hanging the hanging judge. You know, so anyway, you just can't tell. But the one thing that I can tell is that if you know your information, no matter which one of those jurisdictions or which one of those judges you get in front of, if you know the information and have command of it, you're you're going to do a lot better than if you don't. Okay. So my payment, I'm back to this free thing, my payment that I try and encourage all of you to do, because this is the way we're going to affect change. That's my goal here. I don't care about the money. I care about affecting change and getting this message out and exposing these damn charlatan, slave, and Satanist bastards. Okay? And the only way we do that is when you guys learn and input the information and start spreading it. That's the only way it's going to happen. Hey, Roger. Yes. Who we got? Is that Wayne? John. John. Hey, John. Hey, uh, I was looking back in the Telegram group and, and kind of going back to the subject of these uh, last round of letters that yeah. come out to us. Yeah. Uh, someone pointed out in there, I, I, I don't know who to give credit to, maybe they're on here, but anyway, someone pointed out on there that the person that signed that letter, JJ, 
is the same signature that's on our green cards that come back, which is, I think, like John Johnson or something Johnson. So I thought, well, isn't that interesting? The very <laughs> person that picks up our affidavits is the one sending the bullshit letters back to us. So, so he's, from, he's from the mail mail room. <laughs> is that it, it is? Is that it the is. consular fail affairs? Is the mail room? <laughs> it is. So yeah, whoever's picking up the stuff is the one they have signing the letters. So um, odds are they probably also composed the letter. Well, uh, you know, I promise you, I think <laughs> uh, I think about the response I'm going to draft for this every day. Yeah. Okay, I think about it every day. All right. Abram so, and I were chatting about this last night. He can maybe maybe he wants to speak up. He found some typos and uh, other things that I didn't even look at. I, my eyes don't always go to those things. But right, right. Spelled words. Well, some people um, are nitpicky like Abram. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to think that they're sending such a letter out also with typos in it. It's, it's and, just uh, absolutely absurd. The whole thing, from the handwritten addresses to the stamps to the change in uh, cancellation and handwriting in on the return address of every envelope. They're doing it on the return address of every one of them. Folks, this is so far out of kilter on anything uh, governmental that it's just a joke, really. The the, the letter's a joke. Kudos to whoever uh, put those two together i mean i had them right in front of me as well but i had not set those right. side by side so. it was steve yeah, it's yeah. yeah. interesting hey, steve shared that yeah yeah who's hey roger there hey it's just tp here hey tp still laying in bed because i've been up since five o'clock this morning but just got to bed at five o'clock but um if you notice that those letters they're not handwritten like there's not a person sitting there writing those letters letters oh no but what i mean is if you look at if say for instance you got the letter and they have the a and the p backwards and then john got the letter and then mark got the letter and they're all the same they're using a machine that looks like it's handwriting it but it's not being handwritten could be (laughs) yeah well i know because i said 750 letters yesterday i didn't touch a pen and they're all handwritten and stamped Huh. Okay. Well, whatever. It's a, it's a real poor attempt, and it's very, the thing's just the letter and the contents are so full of Swiss holes. It's ridiculous. You know, the first paragraph as a U.S. citizen, so and so. Well, I guess the letter itself represents you recognizing that you received my affidavit, doesn't it? Just think about well, that. Well, it had to. It was the person that, that picked it up. Right. <laughs> so it has the, to. The letter itself. It undermines the whole message. Okay. <laughs> it's sophomoric and futile at best. And again, to me, it shows act of desperation. Did anybody else get that impression too? I mean, the fact that they're just having to blanket mail everybody, no matter what you did, no matter how you attached and, and corresponded with them, we're just going to send out this one blanket that's full, full of so much crap, you know, really. So anyway, we'll draft a nice letter back to JJ or Miss Robinson or uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman or whoever the hell's doing it up there. I mean, they're sending this thing out to people that have had, they already got their 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 passport card. Yeah, somebody like, got the letter. Somebody got the letter one day and their passport card the next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know? Uh, do you remember Dan uh, 
Paul Paul had a friend that came on yesterday, Danimal. Real nice guy. I think his name is Danimal. That's his, what he goes by. Real cool dude. He's had his, his passport card. Maybe Paul can correct me if I'm wrong. He's had his passport card since May. And he just got the letter yesterday. He's like sitting there scratching his head. We're all laughing. And we're scratching his head. He's like, what the hell? I already got my card. Why am I getting this letter? And anybody, any of our students follow, I mean, look, we follow the State Department's instructions by the letter, okay? And I, it says you can attach documentation, including affidavits, right there in the instructions, which you see is, if you think through this, is a bit ironic because, you see, they didn't want to put that in there, all right? I promise you, they didn't want to put that in there. How do I know? The way they couched it. Warning. You can attach documentation, including affidavits, but you better not lie, or we got seven sections of the code, and they list them all, string side them, that we're going to lay on you, okay? Well, they didn't want to put that in there. They had to put it in there to make their scheme constitutional. They had to put it in there so they could get an OMB number. Because it's a public information gathering request, and they got to have an OMB number because of the Paperwork Reduction Act. That's why it's in there. That's why it's couched like that. Okay? So these are things they had to do, okay, to make their little slave scheme constitutional in this bankruptcy condition. So we can just, I, I mean, it. we're just going to shove this right up their asses, okay, quite frankly. So we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll draft that out in the next couple of weeks. Roger. Yes, sir. Now this is Todd in Arizona. Hey, is it Todd? You say? Claude. Claude. C L A U D. Hey, Claude. Yeah. How you doing? Good. I just got my uh, bluff letter yesterday. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I wanted to read one paragraph and see if it's the same as what everybody else. Everybody's the ones that have been sent to me. Everybody's getting the same letter. But go ahead and read the paragraph to us. Uh, Please be advised that per the Bureau of Consular Affairs, there's no way to add documents to a passport record of a citizen, U.S. citizen that has already been issued a passport. Okay. Yeah, they're all the same. That's all the okay. same. Well, cool. you're not a U.S. citizen. They already no. received your citizenship evidence, or they wouldn't be sending you the letter. Okay? That's correct. And nobody is asking them to, to attach anything to anything unless it's a passport application where the instructions say that you can. Okay? Yeah, and I've, I've had a real difficult time trying to get my passport. My first attempt, they lost all of my information oh my never God. did cash the money order so i had to cancel my passport and then apply for a new one and i'm probably five weeks in now waiting for that that's pretty unusual for them to lose that kind of stuff uh, of course not now claude i don't know if you were on the show this week daniel from up in idaho they've had his for seven and a half months and wow. he calls the head supervisor at the passport guy. He says, there ain't anybody else you can go to above me. He goes, I don't know. It's in processing. We don't know anything about it. We can't answer your question. So we got on the board here, one of the advantages of this format we've got. And somebody said, why don't you contact your representative? And so that afternoon, he went over to the senator, uh, Idaho senator's office, and they said, can you th- if you get it in a week, is that soon enough? 
Wow. Okay. So if you have problems with them, contact your representative or your senator. They they love doing stuff like this. It's it's voting for things against the damn Democratic Satanists they don't like to do. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty early into into the the six weeks to to twelve weeks, so yeah. I'm going to let it ride a while. Okay, Claude, was that a DS eleven or an eighty two? It was eleven. Okay, so you're a first time passport applicant. Well, I had to cancel the other one, my original passport, uh, before I could reapply. <laughs> Or at least that's what I was told to do. So I did cancel it and then just did a DS-11 for a new one. Okay. Have you ever had a passport before? Yes. Was it longer than 15 years expired? No, it wasn't expired at all. And they're still got you doing a DS-11 even though you've got an open passport? That's what they did to me, Roger. Well, that's because they lost everything. I, I had well, no they, didn't, they didn't lose the record of your old passport in their database. Right. I mean, by that rule right there, you should be using an 82. Now, this is this well, is it real inconsistent here, and I I don't remember ever coming across this before, so that's why I'm exploring it a bit, Claude. Mirka, they did the same thing to you? Yeah, she had me fill out a DS-11. Huh. You know, this is a situation years ago when I was first putting all this together, and that's a big question I had, see, of, okay, I understand what's going on. You're changing legal personalities, all right? And so even if you had an existing passport that's still open, you're changing legal personalities. You're a different person. So as a different person, as a national, you'd never applied before. So do you go back and use a DS-11 the first time, or do you use the 82 because you've already got an existing passport? And I'm going to tell you what swayed my opinion here as I thought about it. The warning box is in both applications. Why? Claude, you're new. Why is the warning box in both the DS-11 and the DS-82? Well, I would think it gives you the uh, the opportunity to become a national. It's because we're in the feudal system, and you can volunteer out at any time. Again, they had to put that in there. They didn't want to. Okay. So that's what swayed my opinion. Originally, I thought, well, you're changing legal personalities. You ought to go back and start with an 11, even though you got an existing passport. But it was that warning box in both applications that really told me that it's okay to do it at any time because it's the feudal system. You're in voluntary servitude. You can volunteer out at any time. Right, which I attempted to do in my first attempt at uh – renewing my passport with my affidavit right well i that's just strange to me but if that's their internal rule and two of you have had to deal with it then so be it you know uh the real legal thing underpinning all this is you you're receiving different rights and owe different duties and therefore you're a new person okay right so claude where are you in arizona my friend I'm in a little town called Eden, Arizona. It's uh, south southeast Arizona. Okay. So you're pretty far away from uh, Maricopa, right? Yes. About uh-huh. 180 miles. Uh-huh. 
Well, I guess that trial out there starts today. And they're going to, they're going to have Katie Hobbs. They're going to be able to get Katie Hobbs and this other guy that was the, uh, one of these culprits on the stand. Uh, Katie Hobbs, that's not, she's not going to happen. She's not getting on the stand. That came out yesterday. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. She won't testify. She won't testify, Katie Hobbs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she won't testify. Hey Roger. Yeah. Hey Pat. Did Did you see uh, Rince, Jeff Rince's, uh response to Mark Fincham's uh, case that was uh, refused? Uh, no, I did not. I sent it to you an email this morning, and I tell you what, Rince. He says, although I'm only licensed, I'm not licensed to practice down there. He says, Oh, oh, Tom Rince, not Jeff. Tom Rince. I'm I'm sorry, Tom Rince. Excuse me. And uh, he 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 sat there and poked holes in this judge's reason for uh, throwing the case out. I mean, I, just, I really like Tom Rents. And and if, and if uh, his law, if, if Fincham's lawyers don't, yeah, if Fincham lawyers Fincham's lawyers don't uh, appeal this, he's got a problem with his legal team. Yeah, well, a lot of people got problems with legal teams. Fortunately, there's people like Tom Rents and, and Robert Barnes and. These guys I mentioned yesterday, the two that are working together on the Fresno hospital case out there, one from Kentucky, one from California. There's a lot of, uh, not a lot of, not enough, obviously, good lawyers stepping forward and starting to challenge these things. But Tom Rents is one sharp cookie, man. Just a little old guy with his head in the right place, an attorney, and all of a sudden all of this stuff crosses his path. And he's willing to go up, do the right thing, and stand for the right thing and fight. And I just really admire him. I like him personally. I like the way he delivers his message and how he holds himself. And I really appreciate his work. Rents really, really points out the, the, the problem in our legal system, and that's the judges. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, let's go back to Edward Gibbons. All right. I mean, you know that one, right, Pat? Edward Gibbons, the guy that wrote The Rise and the Fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. The first engine of tyranny is a corrupt judiciary. Yep. Hey, Roger. Yes. Is that Abram? Uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping to bring up some folks that are on here. Uh, Lyle Brunson is requesting um, the community, you know, those of us that are here fighting, um, to write to the SCOTUS in reference to his yes, case yeah. that he has going on. Right, right. Um, not very many people can really understand what's going on there, but that's a really powerful case. It is, and it's got and, very powerful political positions behind it. See, it's not just a case. There's these political standoffs and situations that these people have let develop that really is the backstory on that. Right. Uh, what they're asking, I heard that call yesterday, TP, and what they're asking, if anybody's so motivated, and it may be over on his site, the address and everything, but they're basically asking you to write a mini amicus curie brief. You know, an amicus curie brief is if, I don't know, you were a concerned law firm or something, and there was a case up there that was being deliberated, you can submit You can submit a brief. Wait a, wait a, wait a minute, Roger. Friend of a court. I want... I want everybody to hear your comment. There's somebody that's unmuted that's moving their phone around. Shuffling. Please move. 
It's a friend of a court, Roger. Is what that's, what a, amic- that's right. It's yeah. a friend of the court brief. That's what it means. And it's a small letter. It's well, just a real paragraph I sent it yesterday. It's just a paragraph. It's already written for you. Right. Or you can write your own. I, I don't know. I don't have access to post it on the chat. I'm praying that somebody does. But you can go to his website also. And if somebody has the website, I'm... I'm I'm, I don't have it in front of me. I don't either. But, um, um, you know, so if you guys want to do that, I sent it right away. Um, it's a small task to do for such a fake thing. This ge- gentleman, I won't take up too much time, but this gentleman found things that have not been found in the Constitution that people haven't used. It's been there. But people haven't noticed and realized how the power behind those seven things that he found in the, in the Constitution that he is using and and also bringing up their um, their um, oaths of office. SCOTUS has two of them, and they're bringing up the oath of office for Congress and uh, the Senate and the President and any of everybody involved. This is extremely powerful. There's a gentleman by the name of Bob Schultz in 2004. I don't know if anybody knows this or remembers this. 2004, how he went and served all the members of Congress, both sides of the House. And the IRS and all this other stuff. And he, this is what he missed. And I wish that that back in 2004, when all of this was done, I was there, that this um, information or this man, Lyle Brunson, was around or available to him when all of this took place because things would be totally different today. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of things in the past that could have changed. If, if, if John and Glenn would have realized that you filed the affidavit with the Secretary of State instead of just doing revocation of election straight with the IRS, it, it, that was 30 years ago. Everything could have changed in that period of time. I, I would reiterate, TP, you're new, okay? Uh, as I said earlier, there was 1,200 students in the six months they were teaching, okay? And later on, when the IRS came after John and Glenn to try and get them off the street, I think because they had this feudal system message, honestly. But when they did that, it took them five years because John and Glenn were so adept at rebutting everything and knew the law so well. So anytime there was a point at district court over in Salt Lake City, they'd challenge it. They'd appeal it. It'd have to go to the Tenth Circuit, have to go through that little uh, uh, meat machine until it came out the other side. Then they'd come back with that decision. They'd start the trial again, and they'd have a couple of days, and John and Glenn would find something else they would appeal. And So it took them a long time. Okay, but after John got out of uh, after they got out and and Glenn and I could talk on a more regular basis, he mentioned something one day in a conversation that just floored me. And it was really insightful. Okay, the U.S. attorney got up in open court in Salt Lake City and said that the IRS had received over one hundred thousand affidavits. There's only 1,200 people that paid to go through it and file it. Okay? So you take that, and and what do I estimate here? We've been helping people with this status change thing for 12 years now. I have no idea how many people have done it. But if you take that little ratio of 1,200 to 100,000 and and multiply it here on how many affidavits they've received up there and why they'd go to some desperate point of sending out this BS letter, it kind of gives you the answer, doesn't it? They've, they've, gotten, the mail room. they've gotten millions of these things, folks. And it's not just us. It's 
Vaughn writes, I guess finally she's not having people send it to the Secretary of State of the state and send it to the United States, but also, uh, you know, Charlatan Boy and all of his followers. Uh, who knows? But they're, that's why I say this letter that we're getting is an act of desperation because they can't fight this. This Think of this, folks. You folks that have gotten that letter or have heard us talking about it, that's the best they've got. That's the best they've got. Yeah. Raj? Yes. Uh, ga- com has a great write-up on the uh, on the SCOTUS uh, issue coming up in January. Uh-huh. We were talking about it this morning on the Mouse in Your Coffee morning show on WBOU-FM and uh, WDRN, Fort Collins. We were talking about that this morning, and the the write-up is very thorough. Very thorough on the Gateway so, Pundit, on the GatewayPundit.com, and uh, just search for SCOTUS, and uh, and that story will come right up. Well, and, it, uh, oh, on a side note, we're also being mirrored on Home Network TV today, and okay. have been for the last four days. All right, well, I have no idea who they are, but if you're listening there, welcome to you. Uh, I, any of you guys want to take a minute and just jot something down? You might want to do a little research and see. TP, you say he's got a sample Amicus Curie on his website? Br- Br- Brown? Yeah, he does have a sample of the letter. It's not Amicus Curie. It's a, it's a letter. It's a yeah. friend of the court. Right. Friend of the court letter. It's, a, it's a friend of the court letter. It's not a legal brief that you write out. No, okay. it's very simple. Just print it out, sign it, and, date it, put it in an envelope, send it out. And you could you could t- take that and paraphrase it. You guys are pretty adept at law, at least if you've been hanging around here for a bit and internalized some of this. You're, you're a little more adept at it. And you can go in there and alter that and however you want to put it. But if you want to do that, it might be important. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to see them get flooded with them. That'd be nice. I think they're real predisposed in deciding on this. I think it's this political stuff in the background that's driving all this and is going to really dictate whatever they come out with. Personally, that's what I think. But we'll see. I, I know that the Supreme Court has gotten uh, thousands of notices from uh, – there's a, there's a group that sends out notices and have affidavits referencing – the state constitution and how all of the political power uh, is inherent in the people according to the constitution. Yeah, well, that was before the 14th and, Amendment. But the state constitution still. But you're, a federal ci- but, but you're a federal citizen. You don't have access to the common law basis of the state constitution. And all the laws they write for state citizens are for residents and citizens of the United States. So you see, it is federal jurisdiction. And that's what happens when we file this paperwork is we regain that common law connection to our state. Okay, I, I understand that. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but if they... If they admit that in court, then they are doing well, what you what you say and being open pirates. Yeah, well, that's right, and that's why they have to tiptoe around all this crap. You know, uh, think of this: here recently, within the last few months this year, they actually called Clarence Thomas's wife in to testify in front of the January sixth committee. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. You think that pissed Clarence Thomas off? 
<laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Now, all the other people and all the other crap they're doing, they're trying to talk and float in trial balloons about not only stacking the court again, but putting in term uh, term limits for justices. See, now they got this little bombshell to throw. They can't get that legislation through. Right now, they'd never get it through now that you're going to have some a Republican-led House. Okay? So now all their intentions are hanging out, and now they've got this little Broughton, Bruton, whatever his name is, situation there where they can clearly, clearly flex their muscles from a position of power of independent judiciary. So it's going to be very interesting to see, but there's some big political stuff in the background. I've talked about this before, but some of you people may not have heard of this because you're new. Um, you know, I'm a really, really big fan of Clarence Thomas's, okay? And um, I just admire him to the nth, okay? And so I, I saw on YouTube, and you can probably go find it, um, it They at, at Harvard, at the law school, they have Supreme Court justices come up and talk to the Harvard Law students. And there's a, a one on YouTube, a Clarence Thomas. And he's up there. It's a whole room full of Harvard Law students. And uh, one of them asked him a question there at the end. He's a really jovial, pleasant, personable guy. Okay, And so at the end, they asked him about a question on whether it was a constitutional question or administrative question. So there's the difference in the systems right there from these Harvard Law students to a Supreme Court justice, okay? And Clarence goes, well, if it's a, if it's a constitutional question, it may be a little tougher. But if it's an administrative question, we just kind of do an end run and go back to the original intent of the legislation. So he knows, okay? Now that little seed was planted, and I saw that. And then when Trump was still in and Amy Conan Bryant, remember that last day they gave her so much crap like they do with any conservative justice appointee. And they, they uh, uh, went ahead and confirmed her. And that night she was sworn in at the Rose Garden. Anybody remember seeing that? Nobody yeah. saw that. Okay, somebody yep. did. Okay. Yep. Well, who swore her in? Wasn't it Thomas? Clarence yep. Thomas swore Clarence her in. Thomas. And what was the oath that he swore her in under? Here's one of the chief justices. He's not the chief justice, but he's one of the high-end power movers of the Supreme Court. Here's the new appointee that's going to take the board with him. And in the oath, I play, swear allegiance to whatever, however the wording was, but it was the United States and not the United States of America, right there in the Rose Garden. You can go back and see it. I'm sure it's on YouTube, okay? Nobody, nobody else would notice that. I caught it, okay? But and then, and then I had seen him clearly differentiate in front of these Harvard students the differences in how they look at a case, and here he swears her into the federal United States. Yes, Paul? Um, uh, to borrow a phrase from you, do you think that uh, bringing Clarence Thomas's wife in front of the January 6th committee was a shot across the bow by these arrogant, absolutely Sabbatean bastards, absolutely trying to communicate to the Supreme Court that, hey, we can go after your families? Yep. And I think it backfired on them. Uh, all their stuff, it, the, all of their stuff always backfires on them. 
Yeah, that was a shot across the bow for sure, and it pissed him off, so it's going to backfire. Well, time. and of course, here they're floating this stuff about we don't want you on there. We, you know, they're ridiculing him all over the place on all these different decisions, and we're going to put term limits on you. We're going to stack the court. Well, these people, this Bruton Broughton case, whatever, however you say his name, that this is a this is a godsend to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's going to be very interesting. It's an interesting situation, no doubt. We're in a whole bunch of those, man. I mean, every day some there's big some Twitter drop. Uh, lately, it's uh, I guess the one yesterday was on how thoroughly the FBI has controlled Twitter since 2017 or before. Okay, all that's coming out. Uh, so these people they're they're in a hot a hot kettle of fish up there. Okay. Yeah, and the last thing they need to do is bring a knife to a gunfight by messing with the okay. SCOTUS. And, and now, uh, and what? The, unfortunately, this is the thing. It backs them into such a corner. You can look for false flag. I heard a uh, somebody say yesterday on something I was listening to that BlackRock and Vanguard and, and State Street have gone out and bought up all the power companies. Oh crap! Okay, so uh, false flag coming, folks. The worse it gets, the more they get exposed the 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 potential for that to be of seriousness in that in whatever event they got cooking up just am, amplifies literally yeah roger yes pat yeah the, uh steve bannon had had some guy on there yesterday talking about this they control over 20 trillion dollars oh, in yeah. uh, funds oh yeah and what this guy was saying he says a lot of and, and most of it is retirement funds right and uh uh, DeSantis has raised that issue about if you know this. What's this new thing they've got where the, they're going out and demanding that these companies be uh, have certain racial quotas and all of this yeah. Uh, yeah. environmental yeah. ESG? I think they call right. it. Now. That's right, something like that. Yeah, there's an acronym for it. And how do and they so, enforce that? How do they enforce it, Pat? Well, they 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 they, they enforce it by by uh, the board of directors. They enforce it by, they, by the, with the company. If they've gotten met yeah. these requirements, they get cheaper loan rates. Right. And so, uh, but he's, you know, he's, uh, I just went to my financial advisor yesterday and, and queried him on this very subject. I said, I want to know what you've got. Where am I invested in any companies that are using these ESGs? I have not uh, gotten, a, he says, I'm going to have to research this. I said, well, you better start and, and you better, you better start thinking about this because I'll bet if a lot of your clients found out that they're being invested, you know, basically paying the cannibals to eat them last, right? Uh, you know, they would not be real happy. Well, the thing right. is, is with most of these pension funds, they've stolen them already anyway. They've either stolen them somehow or they've gone in and loaded up the pension funds with bonds. They've taken the, the, the gravy, the, the cash out of there, and they've bought bonds for your pension that you're <laughs> they're the beneficiary of through the IRS. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, these are some sneaky some bitches, okay? As y'all hear, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. But uh, um, that's part of their impetus, especially on making sure everybody in the nursing homes were killed off first. Is they're trying to get rid of the pensioners because they've stolen all the money out of the pension funds. Another point he made, Roger, was that he said this is their backdoor way of getting the Green New Deal through. Right, he that's says exactly they, what they, it is. They, they couldn't get it through Congress, so they've gone back through BlackRock and these other yep. uh, huge investment houses, and 
so that's how this ESG is, is they just re, re uh, you know, put some lipstick on, on the uh, green new deal. Yep. That's exactly what they're trying to go through the back door to get that imposed through the corporation and the corporations they control is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Raj. Yes. Paul. Quick point. Quick point. Uh, particularly if they own all the power systems, uh, all the power stations, uh, we know that there's something coming down the road. So if you haven't prepared to keep your family warm, yourself and your family warm in the event, the lights go out, uh, the Patriot power cells and things like that, or the solar generators, you right. see them advertised on YouTube all the time. You don't need a ton of power to keep yourself alive. If you have natural or propane gas and a forced air furnace, all you need is to get with a local electrician to give you a, uh, a back door to run your thermostat and the blower and igniter on your furnace and it will keep you warm. Even if it doesn't have enough power to run a single additional electric light, you will not freeze to death. Now is the time to make plans to and, stay alive. If you haven't done that and you're in the situation where it's going to get cold on you, which is getting cold, what was it, not 10 degrees in Birmingham last night, Mike? Didn't you tell us yesterday? Mike's probably working. Uh, but I guess we got a cold uh, cold surge going down through the country, even down to the deep south. How cold was it in Florida last night, Pat? Uh, down in the 50s, but uh, by, by uh, Friday, it's supposed to be 24 in North Florida. Right. There you go. So, uh, anyway, it, we're going into that time of year. This is the time of year they want because they can utilize the nature's powers against you. Uh, I heard the other day they won't have electricity or, or water or stuff in the Ukraine for two years. There's another pipeline wow. that they blew up in Russia the other day that fed Europe somehow. And now e- even the high gas prices in Europe are spiking again because of this Russian pipeline they blew up. Blew up. I mean, these guys are on a full-court press here, folks. They're going for the golden ring. They've been working for it for hundreds, if not longer, years. This is their chance. They've built built all these things up gradually to get to a point where State Street and BlackRock and Vanguard have these huge huge pools of money where they've, got, they've done enough fraud over all the years through Wall Street where they control these corporations, and they're going for the big one here. Okay, There ain't no turning these boys back. It's either them or us. And you left one out. Berkshire Hathaway is not as big as those three that you mentioned, Roger, but Berkshire Hathaway is in the middle of this. Oh, yeah. oh the- Warren Buffett's had his nose up the Rothschild's yeah. ass for decades. Yep. And you know what's funny about that? His father was a senator from uh, uh, Nebraska, evidently, and he was a huge gold bug. Did you know that, Pat? I have read a little bit along those lines. I'm not that familiar with it, but I've read a little bit about yeah. it. Yeah, Warren Buffett's he, daddy was a huge gold bug. Here, here's something that uh, you know he was big on stopping the uh, pipe, the pipeline thing too, because you know who the biggest transporter oh. of the uh, of of the oil out of the uh, his trains. Yeah, uh, uh, they own Burlington Northern, and that's the primary uh, resource for moving the oil out of out of. Uh, the Dakotas and and Southern uh, Canada, Canada down to the U.S. Yep. So it's a mess. Um, I hope that you've been aware of this. That you've taken some precautions. I mean, Pat, hell, Pat moved all the way back from Thailand to, to get down involved in this. <laughs> 
I didn't. I don't want to miss out on the revolution. That's right. <laughs> you used the phrase earlier, to, uh, just oh, a few moments. Ago. Hold, hold on, hold on. Listen, whoever's talking, could you could, could you could you move closer to your microphone so we can all hear you, please? Uh, you were mentioning a phrase earlier. You said you mentioned that they were going for the golden ring. I'm just wondering how many of the audience knows what that is. I happen to be an old carnival worker, so I know exactly what a Jenny is. Right. Well, they're going for the for their for their ultimate goal this time. They've been working towards it for a long time. They've been preparing for it. They've been conditioning us so that they could take advantage of us, and they pulled the trigger. Well, now, the, interesting on that line of conversation, why? Why now? Because their financial system is crumbling. That's the war in Ukraine's all about that, trying to start a world war so they can regenerate the financial system that's literally imploding. All the countries in the world are selling bonds, have been for a long time. The Federal Reserve's having to buy those bonds or else the bond market goes south. They've got 140 countries around the world that have now signed up in this BRICS thing, the alternate monetary approach with a commodity-backed currency on commodities not us but like wheat or oil or or, or some of the regular other commodities you know and so that's what their big push is and i think that's one of the reasons that's so brilliant of putin yeah with all the provocation and everything else they've done to him just sit back and let them disintegrate let them get desperate okay because it's their financial system russia's taken care of because of the persecution of Russia, Putin's been selling bonds for ten, over 10 years over there. He sells U.S. bonds, which are in their central bank, and he buys gold. Now they come in and they set all these sanctions up and isolate Russia. Well, Russia's got all the natural resources they need internally. Okay, So their ruple and their value of their money's doubled. And the prices of the commodities because of the sanctions and stuff have gone up, and they're sitting on all of them. Russia's in a great spot. So, rootin', tootin', Putin. It's a. Uh, I call him Vlad the Destroyer. Um, <laughs> they they hate him, okay, because he stood up to him. Look what he did in Syria. All these places, he stands up to him. But yet he plays it cool like a chess player. The, any other hothead leader would have long ago reacted to the provocations that are coming at them out of Ukraine. I mean, look, they took over the Ukraine in 2014 with the Maidan thing. And ever since then, they've taken – and back then, if you'll remember, they had a referendum. And the eastern part of Ukraine voted to go with Russia because it's traditionally Russian. They speak Russian. Okay. Well, that's where all of the resources and the manufacturing is. The western part of Ukraine, where Kiev is, is all agricultural. All right. So what have the Ukrainians been doing since 2014? They've been taking howitzers and stuff and shelling Donbass. They've killed like 14,000 civilians since 2014 just shelling Donbass, and nobody ever reacted to it. They keep pr provoking, provoking, provoking. Now they're loading cruise missiles over. They're landing and in their nuclear, uh, uh, where their airports are and stuff, where the nuclear planes are. They sent one that landed 150 miles away from Moscow. Putin just plays it cool because he knows that their financial system's disintegrating.
Okay. So anyway, that's kind of what how I see that situation over there anyway. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Is that Wayne again? I'm going to get Wayne yeah. in a minute. Hey, Wayne. Yeah, I finally got him. Hey, I just wanted to uh, add a note here that um, I saw a report on Fox, one of the Fox shows last week, and there was a guy who uh, was in Russia, and he went into a couple of the grocery stores, mm-hmm. and I mean the shelves I saw the- stacked, you know, full of product, and he did a price comparison of what it, uh, milk, eggs, bread, and all that stuff would cost in Russia versus the U.S. And I think it's a fraction of what we're paying because oh. they're now their ruble so uh, stable. Yep, and they're and it's so strong. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. But yeah, I saw some of those clips. They're just like walking into Publix, maybe better. So yeah, Poot's sitting over there. We're doing great. You know, our oh, we got one of the strongest balance sheets in the world. We're loaded up on gold. We got everything we need internally. Now we're going to sell it. Roger, part. Uh, you, go ahead, Wayne. Yeah, the uh, there was a guy whose name he's been brought up on your show before. Andy Schechtman, I think. Yeah, Miles yeah, yeah, Schechtman. Yeah, Miles Franklin. He's pretty good. I like him. Yeah, he was on a show I was listening to yesterday. I think it was from a few days ago. But he is saying very, very uh, concerned about the strength of the BRICS nations once they come online with their, uh, you know, the commodity-based currency system because it's going to, you know, just uh, throw the dollar to the side. So people should really be aware that if these dollars come flooding back, then our inflation could get very bad. And uh, as long as, as well as the, the, the value of the dollar going down. Wayne, have you ever heard of the swallows at Capistrano? I've heard of them. Uh, yes. Well, you know, there's a town in Southern California called Capistrano and a certain time of year, all the swallows come to roost there. Well, that's what's going to happen is all the, see the, the major export of the United States over all these years has been dollars financial we've never we're not a manufacturing powerhouse anymore we're a financial powerhouse okay and so all those dollars have been exported because it's the world's reserve currency now here's the rub that they've done they've got all of these countries many of them brick countries that need to take out loans and they always borrow in dollars so now when it comes to repay they've got to repay in dollars and the way they've got this thing rigged the dollar's been going up and all the other currencies have been going down so they've got to acquire u.s dollars to pay back these u.s loans at higher interest rates and everything else and it's sinking all these countries this is the way the imf works okay that's going on right now all right so it's a it's a heck of a situation in the world and uh just try. I hope you've gotten yourself prepared and you've been around long enough to see the, the, the black clouds on the horizon and do the things that you knew you needed to do. I just I hope and pray. I mean, even Eli moved out of Chicago. So, Roger, that definitely means that the dollar is going to eventually go down because they're oh, not yeah. using it. Uh, absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fail upwards. It's going to get so strong that all of a sudden one day it's just going to turn. Boom. It's fa- they call that failing upwards. And China, China's in worse condition than we are, I think. Roger, I'm just thinking, um, I wonder if Israel's going to accept their uh, citizens, it's, uh, dual citizens here. I have no Because they're going to be fleeing for, for life. 
I have no <laughs> idea. I think they ought to take in more Ethiopians over there in Israel myself. Oh, you're really trying to convert them then? Oh, I really, I like to get them all pissed off. They're just a bunch of frauds. They got no contact to the Bible. They got no reason to have that land. They got no reason for all this God's chosen people crap, except we don't understand what they're asking us. You know, uh, God's chosen people. Okay, I'll bite. Which God and chosen for what? Well, you won't get an answer out of them there, will you? Can you say Satan? Well, I mean, you want to know the proof in the pudding on that statement? Lloyd Blankfein. During the 2008 housing debacle, Blankfein was head of Goldman Sachs, got up publicly and said, somebody, he was talking about the, all the house seizures, said, we're doing God's work. Well, he knew damn well which God steals houses. But yet every newspaper article had a capital G. They knew exactly when the capital G. And they go to the synagogue on Saturdays and laugh their asses off. Well, isn't that special? Well, I guess I, I, it can be for them for a while, but eventually it's going to catch up with them. Okay. You know, hey, 100 years ago, hold on a second, Wayne, let me make this comment. I, I'm not Catholic. I don't know a whole bunch about it, but I do know that 100 years ago there was a very famous Catholic author, <coughs> excuse me, named Hilaire Balak. I think he must have been French. And he wrote a book that's called The Jews. Harvey's cousin made a copy of it for me when I was in Atlanta, okay? And in the in the book in there, he says, the world's biggest problem is the Jewish problem. That was in the 1920s or 30s. Well, 100 years later, guess what? The world's biggest problem is the Jewish problem. Period. Roger, if you go look, starting all the way back with uh, Martin Luther, time after time again, people that, like Martin Luther ha have come out. I mean, he wrote books about it, too. Yep. We've been warned, and we've been warned, and we've been warned. Even Benjamin Franklin, they've stolen it, but it used to be in the National Archives. Benjamin Franklin said, if you let these people in here in 200 years, they'll be in the counting houses, and you'll be out tending to the fields that your forefathers conquered. That's Benjamin Franklin. I've read that, Roger. And have you seen the latest advertisement on TV about anti-Semitism? Uh, no, about I don't. Go ahead. Tell us. Tell, tell us, it's Joe. About a full, it's about a full minute long, uh, you know, about how bad it's getting that they're, everybody is anti-Semitic and hate crimes and all this hocus pocus. But it's about a minute long. It's a, I saw it on uh, national TV last night. Did you? Well, of course, yeah. Kanye and, 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 and the other basketball player and all this stuff's coming out. I mean, I, I listen. I watch Alex, you know, Alex and Oyer, uh, Owen on a regular basis. Always delayed. I watch it so the spots are out of there. And I don't have time to watch them live necessarily. But, man, that subject is all over InfoWars lately. Okay? It never used to be. Well, my point is that this wasn't InfoWars. This was... Uh, I know, a national ABC, spot. NBC. Right, so, right. Well, it shows you how concerned... It shows you how concerned they... You know, Joe, it shows you how concerned they are about the exposure. 
See, these people are not on solid ground. You know, I've relayed the story a couple of times when we had our – our, our our patriot group pat used to come there occasionally uh, uh ccg there brent was was there occasionally and we used to meet at this hotel and then for some reason we changed up to a barbecue place up in uh, northern atlanta there right by the interstate 285 and it was uh, uh we could go and if we ate dinner they gave us access to the meeting room upstairs okay it was a nice facility, good good operation, good arrangement. And so when we'd get up and we were meeting, we'd take a break in the middle of the meeting, and people go out on the – there's a little balcony out there, and you could go out and smoke and talk or whatever. And right across the street, it's right where this main Roswell Road in Atlanta crosses 285. There's a lot of congestion of traffic up there. And on the other side of the street from where we were meeting was a small shopping center. And, of course, when the stores are closed that late at night, we use that as our parking spot okay and so we're up there smoking one night and uh, on the balcony and looking over and you start seeing flashes flash 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 the adl was over there taking pictures of license tags does that sound like somebody that's real secure in their position to you all these things these knee-jerk reactions does that really sound like somebody that's real alty powerful and secure in their position it doesn't to me it shows somebody that's apprehensive at a leaf turning over that they might get overturned see they know this and they don't they want to squash all that stuff for it ever gets started and it's out of the the cats out of the bag boys but what about the grave sites? They start turning over their own graves. Oh, yeah. Stone. Oh, yeah. All that stuff, painting swastikas. Uh, you know, the guy that was when Trump was president, they got a little uh, Israeli boy who was doing all that. He had made over 200 phone calls. He's the one that instigated a lot of that. And Trump actually got the FBI over there and got him extradited back to the U.S., how that happened, hell, I don't know, but it was early in his presidency. But that was the guy that was doing all this. It's just like That's a right. lot of the black hate crimes. We always find that it's some black person that goes up and, and puts these notes up and writes this stuff trying to enforce their victimhood. Get attention, whatever it is, some kind of wacko crap. So anybody else got anything to add on those lines? Have you ever seen the movie? It was. It came out about twenty years ago with Ryan Gosling, called The Believer. Have not. Sometime pull that up and watch it. That is, uh, it's really the, the dialogue in there of, of Ryan Gosling. He's a he's a Jew who who is with the American Nazi Party, and his his dialogue, his lines in there are, man, I'm telling you, he lays it out. It is very well scripted i want to tell you if you want to read a good book on this go go get the ugly truth about the adl it's a very short little paperback book you can find it online i'm sure the ugly truth about the adl and they went back and proved where the the adl guy went in and got the permit in philadelphia for a nazi parade and then went out and and marched in the parade with some of his pals that's the adl doing that And they're at the Roger? forefront of all this crap today. Yes, Samuel. You know what? I uh, try to listen to Paul Preston in the mornings before right. your show. Right. And uh, today Paul mentioned fruit from a poisonous tree. Mel Stamper. Cool. And so somebody's trying to get him to read that. He hasn't done that yet, but 
You know, three years ago, I tried to talk to him about bringing in the new state and giving them the option of all being nationals instead of citizens. And he cut me short because he said, I've got my hands so full just on doing this part of it that taking on something like that would be well, difficult. That, well, but Paul, that there, doesn't... there's where Paul's thinking is wrong. If he'd take care of this, it'd take care of a lot of problems he's doing now. Of course, Roger. I mean, but he's got to realize that first, right? And I'm thinking, you know, the last time I called him, he answered the phone. He picked right up, and we talked for quite a while. There was no restriction there. So I'm thinking now, I know more. Um, I know there's people out there that can help me because I'm really bad at the digital transfer of stuff, etc. We could get him maybe enough information to get his eyes open because he's talking about 18 million people if we we split the state so well the interesting thing is if they if they split the state it would be a new state wouldn't it yes it would it would be the 51st state right but you got to go through congressional approval or something for that i think i I understand that much yes and you need your state legislature to agree with it And uh, he's saying that the powers that be here in the state uh, look at the rural areas as a drag on their ability to do what they want to do in the cities. That's right. But that's where their wealth comes from, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, well, if they don't know that, that's fine with us, right? (laughs) Right. But, you know. I I mean, mean, imagine if we had a a whole new state of of, of mostly nationals that are already conservative anyway. I mean, Preston said that the the last election for president here, uh, or Trump's, was uh, $16 for Trump and $4 for Biden. And he says he can prove that. I believe that's probably true. Okay. Here's what, if you have a conversation with Paul. Maybe this is the way to approach it. From the founding of the country in the Articles of Confederation up until 1868, there was only one political status, Paul. What was it? Okay. Thank you. Okay. I mean, doesn't that say it all right there? Yes. And I think he's going to be also open to the point that um, – constitutional protections versus civil rights oh, oh, is a big no-no. Oh, I was watching Owen from yesterday right before he went on the show, and he played a clip of a legislator in Arizona getting up and talking about there is no voter fraud. And the guy's going back to Ulysses S. Grant founded the Department of Justice so that blacks could vote and they could exercise their civil rights. He said it right in front of the whole damn assembly. It's right there in front of you, and you can't see it. Anyways, I know we've got some good Californians out there. I think Mirko will help me. I did, I help, I sent the message out her today, so she can help me, uh, maybe help educate Paul. That would be... A great well, thing for all us Californians and the rest of the country. Well, frankly. the first thing you ought to do, since he's already on it, is maybe drop him an email or, or a call if you can get to him and tell him to read Mel Stampler's book. We got the same exact information, only more specific. But here's a former U.S. attorney and a former federal judge that's telling you this. You can turn your eye on that one, too? Right. Well, this people are getting to him, and that's, that's cool. Oh, go ahead, Merker. 
Well, it's a, uh, it's a process. Saying, Go ahead, I was just Murphy. saying um, share sense of the state, too. That's another good one for him to look at. Okay, so Mel Sampler, Mel Sampler's book is perfect. Yep. Well, you, you, what makes Mel Stampler's book so perfect is his credentials. Really? Right. Okay. So, well, and the first thing he discusses in that book is denouncing his citizenship to the United States, right? <laughs> so that that's important. And then he gets into the part, the second chapter is called Magicians, and he, he shows you how they've done everything, and he gives gives you a whole overview of how and why and and some remedies, which is also important. Because if you're going to run a state and you're going to kill the tax base out of the average guy, you're going to have to have a new way of running things. And I think there's some examples in there for that as well. I'll tell you what else you ought to send, Mr. Paul, is uh... – that two pages of those court decisions saying citizens of the United States are federal property. Okay. Well, that that's might good. That's that where I'm going to need Merca's help because I'm yeah. not good at doing that kind of stuff, and I know she's got a good database there. So. Okay. Well, it's right I'll there. try to make contact with him here um, okay. this week. Right. And see if we can get a dialogue. So. Okay. Well, just, you know, just, you know, you, 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 you eat an elephant one bite at a time. You know, look at what I've built here when – 12 years ago, nobody wanted to listen, okay? Right. So good luck with uh, with Paul out there. But I'm glad to see he seems to be making progress from what you're saying, Samuel. So who else has got something to bring forward today? All these people on the board, nobody's got questions, comments, anything like that? i got a question. Is there, okay. is there anybody here who has... Uh, become a national, and their other half has not become. Has oh, not there's done a there's a bunch of that. Yeah, you know, I Pat, when I was married to Frankie, of course, I didn't know this back then, but I was out of their system already, at least IRS part, and uh, she, she stayed in the system, and I was out, and I found it to be if we needed something done in the system, I could use her. And if it didn't, we could use me, you know. So it may be advantageous in some circumstances, but it can be uncomfortable, especially if your mental differences on it are huge. It may be that your spouse agrees with you but just doesn't want to follow through. But if they don't agree with you, now you're unequally yoked in your marriage. Exactly. Now, the other question I have is – is. Uh, from a legal standpoint, and that may not be anybody on here who can answer that, how does that affect if the party that is not a national gets starts getting inquiries from, say, the three-letter uh, folks? Well, the, the, the thing that you're really pointing at is what if you were filing jointly and now you've come to this position and whoever wants to stay in the system has got to file singly? Yep. Okay. Exactly. That's the one one thing, and they'll have to pay higher taxes, you know, because of that. That's how they induce you into getting both parties in filing together to give you a slightly lower rate. That's the incentive. So, I, and I don't know how to counsel people on that, Pat, except yeah. just do the best you can, you know. Well, hopefully, you're not in that situation, but I know it's it's occurred. I've been 
told people have told me about it for years, you know. No, I've just been talking to some people, and, and that's that, that, that's about, their heart. That's the hardest part of them coming over. Yeah, is, about, is the the husband? They're 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 on board, right? But the uh, you know, with all due respect to the ladies on the on the call, women do not like conflict. Well, they like security. See, and and anything that threatens IRS, man, all they've seen is SWAT teams and all this horrible footage, and they're scared. Okay. Now, look at the, as opposed to a husband and wife, let's look at the situation that with our new listener, Mike from Jersey, who may be on with us today, okay? And he's got this horrible tax situation, uh, and they work under an LLC, and he's into this, and his brother doesn't want to hear a word about it, and he's got control of the LLC, okay? So that that uh, all these little schisms, man, I mean, it's... It's challenging for people in that situation, and I hope if you're listening out there and you're married that your spouse is on board with you. If they're not, you're just going to have to try and do the best you can and try and educate them as best you can and see if you can turn them. I know exactly how to deal with it. Okay, tell us, Paul. You shoot them with the wand? Nope, (laughs) but it wouldn't hurt. Uh, Get their brain working a little bit. Uh, just uh, play the Sarah Mason testimony. Well, there you go. And point out the fact that Sarah Mason was able to extricate her child from CPS because she was a national and she owned her minor child. It's very interesting. Now, you know, if, let me just add if, something, Paul. Has anybody heard of a case of anybody extricating a child out of the grips of CPS? See, I haven't. I'm not. It's relatively new. It's getting a lot of attention this year because of Idaho and stuff, and evidently they're amping up their their efforts through CPS. But does anybody ever heard of? Do what? I'm just kidding, Roger. <laughs> so, you know, it's nobody's ever done it. That's why that, that little clip and that actuality is so important. And you're right, Paul. Yeah. And uh, by the same logic, if one is a national and is able to own property and their spouse is a citizen and is property. Right. Whose property are they? This the U.S. Now it's interesting that this may be one way, Pat, for you to swing a spouse, is because both spouses love their children supposedly. Okay, and if you could take this example and show them, you, you want to see how how powerful this is. Would you like to keep our children out of the grips of these damn kidnapping bastards? Well, Roger. Yes. She knew what her power was and how to use it. She sure did. See, that again. That's the whole truth. She, right that, what Sarah did is was being a belligerent claimant. She didn't go in and beat him over the head with baseball bats. She beat him over the head with three pieces of paper. And where, they responded. Where, where is that, uh, Roger? Where uh, go, go to the cast box to our archives, Pat. And it's on Sunday. I uploaded it on Sunday. December the seventh is—I mean, excuse me—the fourth is the date. Because I don't upload anything on Sunday, so that's a hole where I can put stuff like this. So, have you not heard that, Pat? No, I haven't. Holy smokes! You need to hear that, buddy. 
It's about 16 right. minutes long, December the 4th, on the CastBox archives. It'll shock you. It is one of the finest examples of people using this positively that I've seen in all these years. So this is just, what, two and a half weeks ago then? Yeah, it was within the last month, yeah. Okay, perfect, okay. I'll, well, it's, I'll, it's very powerful, okay? I mean, for the, the most folks on there have heard it, but she tells the whole story. But they were in South Dakota. She's got a mother who's got dementia, trying to get her rebellious daughter to stay. And even when they were leaving, said something about, well, she may run away. Well, damn, she did run away. They caught him in some kind of slums up in North Dakota with a boy. The cops tracked him down somehow. Then they leave, and they were going to go back to Louisiana, but they went to Colorado because he had had a 10-year estrangement from his brother, and they were going to try and, and rebuild that bridge. And so they get to Colorado. They're staying in another house, and they tell the daughter, well, you can't run away. It's 20 degrees outside. And she goes, ha uh-huh, okay. Well, she runs away. And then she goes to the neighbor's house and tells them that she took an overdose of Tylenol. So they call the cops, and the cops bring her in under psycholo- uh, psychological uh, observation. Okay? So they call the parents at 2 o'clock in the morning. Do you know where your daughter is? <laughs> okay? So they get all – they go over to the children's hospital. is somewhere outside of Denver there. And uh, in comes a Russian psychiatrist – with a bunch of papers she's clutching to her chest. And she said, oh, well, I already talked to Sophia this morning, and she signed all these documents because in Colorado now, if you're over the age of 12, you can sign yourself away. It's just like California. They've imported those laws into Colorado. Okay? It's how corrupt Colorado's become. And so the uh sarah says well hold on a minute i want to talk to the administrator you got no jurisdiction to do this so the administrator and this psychiatrist and this is what she said and think they had three attorneys in the room so they go into a private meeting sarah puts the affidavits on the table says you don't have any jurisdiction here they said please leave the room in five minutes they come out and say you're free to leave take your daughter with you well, Roger. Yeah. Colorado's got another problem now. Who does? Colorado. Oh, they got plenty of problems. Well, they got another problem, though. They just hired uh, Neon Dion. Oh, <laughs> for the coach football team out there. Um, so, and here's what was going on behind the scenes. When they asked her to leave, they've got to recognize this. And those attorneys probably told them, if you proceed with this, you, you're you're personally liable, and you're making the hospital liable for an unbelievable lawsuit. I'm sure that's what swung that, Pat. But go listen to her story and her rendition of it. It's much better than I just gave you. But that is actual rubber meets the road proof how powerful this stuff is. Yeah, and that, that's under the Radio Ranch archives, right? Yes. Just go to December okay. the fourth, couple of weeks ago, and you'll find it. And I encourage you to listen to it, spread it around. Okay. Because it really is powerful. I mean, she came on the air spontaneously at the end of the show, and Murr saw her message in the chat. We were talking about something else, and she said, Sarah's got this story, and that's where it came from. It's very powerful. Yes. Was that Wahib? Yes, this is me, Roger. I I mean, this new thing that you guys are doing has me bonkers. I I got my friend. She did the cover sheet. Uh, just 
something came up. That's why it took me a month to get it done. But I got the cover sheet, and I just got to put it in the mail. To who? Secretary of State or to well, the California people? Okay, and the second thing after that, what do I do after that? The second thing was I got to get the uh, passport, right? Well, you don't have to, no. Hello? You don't have to. Wahib, this one that this girl wrote the cover letter for you, does that go to the Secretary of State of the United States or to the local California officials? Uh, That goes to the the government, the the federal. Okay, well, then the next step you need to do is put the local California people on notice, even before you apply for a passport, I'd say. No, you said it goes to uh, the the Department of State. Yes. The State Department. Yes. Sec- Secretary of State. Secretary of State, and then I can send the other ones to different other states. After I do the federal, then I could do the state, send copies to the state, right? Well, then you want to put your state officials from the Attorney General and your local officials on notice that's been filed with the Secretary of State. Well, hey, you've been hanging around here for quite a while. You don't have your arms around this yet? Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I did. I I didn't hear the first part of what you said because you sounded uh, muffled. But the, yeah, I know. I I but remember I've been about a month away from the program because I've been trying to uh, find, get, get you on food, right on Jitsu. Uh-huh. Remember, I've been trying to get you on Jitsu, but I couldn't get through. Okay, well, we don't broadcast on Jitsu. We broadcast on Jitsi. So that may have been part of your problem. I mean Jitsi. I meant to say Jitsi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a very simple. It's a very, it's a very simple process. The secretary of state of the United States is the Lord of the manor. He's got control over all matters. Citizenship. You got to get him first. Then after he's been put on notice, you've changed status. Now you want to notify the people in California. You do the attorney general and your local people there in, in L.A. County. D.A., sheriff, chief of police, public health officer. You copy um, them on what you do with the attorney general. Now you've got everybody covered on notice. Now you go off and do other stuff. Merka, you were sighing there. Yeah, Um I wanted to tell Wahid, um, if he's on the Telegram group, it's all on there. Wahid, are you on, the, on are you on the Telegram group? Yes, yes, I know, but I got so caught up. I know about that. I know, but I got so caught up with other things. Yeah. I just had not gotten back to it. Okay. But I'm okay. I'm tagging him with now. the frequently okay. asked questions. So okay. there's a lot of data there. Okay. And yeah, I'll tag him on the group. Okay. Wahib, yeah, so, I'm back into the swing of things now. I've, I've gotten off sidetrack, but I'm back on track now. Okay, well, good. Good. Okay, so that's what you do, Secretary of State you first. Fire, State. You, put, you put some fire under my feet when you said that Monday. When you said Monday, I guess you don't care about your freedom. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it is a personal priority, Wahib. I don't know what else is going on in your life, but you're the one that has to prioritize stuff for yourself. Well, no, no, but you put me back on group. You put me back into the swing of things. You remotivated me with that okay. statement you made okay. Monday. Great. Well, I'm glad it hit you that way, Wahib. 
So learn the material, get command of it, be able to defend yourself and to assert your position like Sarah did. I draw that comparison, but so you can't do that if you don't have control of the information. They'll bulldoze you every time if you don't have control of the information and you can't stand up to their bullshit. Hey, Roger. Yes. Who's the, Hey, Roger. Hey, Roger. This is Jersey Mike once again. Hey, there you are. We're just talking about you a minute ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had to leave the chat for a second, but, um, just real quick. I remember listening to one of your interviews where you mentioned, uh, I think it was one of the presidents, uh, who basically mentioned, uh, in an official statement that the income tax is not used for the daily operations of the No, country. no, it wasn't the president. It was mm-hmm. a president's appointee. Okay. And this was in the eighties. And the president was Ronald Reagan. The president was Ronald Reagan. And the guy that you're talking about was named Peter Grace. And he put Grace in charge of a commission that was going to investigate, do some research, and try and downsize government. And that came from Peter Grace and the Grace Commission. And that's what it's – you go look it up on the Internet. The Grace Commission, that's what it is. Okay, Grace Commission. So this is where he talks about how the income tax is not used to run the. He says not one nickel, not one nickel of your income tax goes to the day-to-day running of the federal government. I believe is his exact words, and it doesn't. Okay, your income taxes all goes. So, so the question, obviously, with his statement is, well, where does it go? Right. (laughs) Well, it goes to pay the bondholders. Yes. All right. Thank you very much for answering that. I yeah. uh, just needed that clarification. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to ask another question. Um, do you think it's better to send in the affidavit cold first? Yes. Before doing the affidavit? Yeah, yes. Okay. okay. Now, you know why that came about. I'll go back and explain this. Six, seven, eight months ago. I had a contacted by a guy out of California, San Jose County, Silicon Valley. And he said, I sent in my passport application. They not only rejected my application and kept my money, but I had an open passport and they revoked it too. Mm, So I go, well, anytime something like that comes to me, my antenna go up because we've never seen that before. Okay. So I finally end up getting on the phone with him, and he turns out to be a naturalized Brit. He naturalized, came over here in 2000, naturalized, got him a passport under his old legal name, his natu- nat- all persons born or naturalized. So you naturalize into the condition as citizen of the United States. Okay, And so finally I said, well, send me what they sent you. And he did. Well, the back story here is, he got pulled over for suspected drunk driving. He wouldn't get out of the car. The sheriff's department ended up breaking the window and hauling his ass out and hauling him to jail. Wow. He did something and got out of jail, and because he's a Brit, he thought that the charges were dismissed because he got out of jail. Okay? So there's two outstanding drunk driving charges against him that he didn't get rid of. So now he applies for a passport, and they reject it because they run an NCIC check, and they find these two open charges. 
So they've got grounds to reject that. And they listed them in the letter, 27 CFR, and they list two sections. I don't remember the sections, okay? But as I looked at that, I thought, well, if he'd have had an affidavit on file already, he would be exempt from any 27 CFR charges because he's not a resident anymore. And they couldn't have done that to him. Right? Does that logic follow? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's when we went. I keep telling you all this is a process, okay? We're, we're all learning together. So as I went back and rethought that, I said, well, why don't we just have people send in the naked affidavit first, wait 20 days, 30 days, and then apply for the passport. And that will negate any of those. And at least if they went ahead and tried to do it, you've got very legitimate grounds for an administrative appeal. Awesome. Okay. So, so that's now- that's why it's like that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, and thank you for explaining that. Um, one other question I think would be valuable to, for you to discuss. Um, this is a curiosity of mine since looking into this. Um, per, uh, let me see what it is. It's uh, CFR fifty one point three types of passports. What it's interesting? What, what CFR? What what title uh, of CFR is that in? That's you uh, quote me a regulation. What title is it in? Oh, Title twenty two. Okay, Title 22. So they got passport regs in Title 22. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, and then it's Section 51.3. So it says types of passports. So they have a list of all these passports. And it's interesting to note that letter A is regular passport. A regular passport is issued to a national of the United States. Um, now, I heard you say in an interview, and I know that this is not like hardcore evidence or proof of anything where you were talking about that you, I think you got it like some word from someone on the inside that there's some kind of diplomatic courier. Yes, uh, there's a there's a document, I think it's still on the website, of their internal designations that you can, I think Merca sent me a copy of it the other day. And you can go see and check, and I think you're going to find and have more luck if you check on your passport card, because the numbers are right on the card, and they hide them in the book, it appears. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, this uh, is this is my concern, all right? Um, how do we know that the passports being issued for people who file affidavits are not being considered official or diplomatic passports because there's a lot of verbiage under these types of passports where it's talking about being a foreign service officer, having diplomatic status for the government, uh, different things like that. So it was just a question. Okay. Uh, Well, let me, let me see if I can address it. Okay. Okay. There are a number of different types of passports, and I didn't know until fairly recently, a couple of years ago, because we got some retired State Department guys here. I saw one of them yesterday, actually, at lunch. Um, and he was talking about a trip he needed to make to Mexico under diplomatic auspices. Okay, And he didn't use the if – you, if you're on a diplomatic mission where they are informed you're coming, you use a black passport. There's a black okay. official passport. I've seen an old one from the 40s from a friend of mine whose father was in the State Department who died, and he went and got his possessions, and he had a green passport cover. And the verbiage inside from the 40s was exactly like it is today. Okay? okay. didn't change anything. Okay. All right? I think what's going on here is that, you see, they, Would you let me see if I can ask you a question and get your agreement. They've gone to great lengths to hide this. Would you agree with that? 
one hundred percent. After reviewing your material, yes. Okay. So, do you think in the how many people are employed by the federal government? A third of the population, something like that. It's a huge amount. That's, sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. So, sure. in the background, when these people that work for the government go on and pull up your profile. Do you think they're going to have a box on there that can go, oh, Mike caught us. He's really a national. <laughs> uh, Probably I, I, not, I like, right? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'd like to think that they would have that. Well you'd, well, you'd like to think it, but when you look at the links they've gone through to hide it, you know, obviously, it's not there. Right, right. So now okay. they've got to classify you with your new status on something that matches it that they've got boxes they can check. Okay. So there's your diplomatic courier. There's your ambassador at large. There's another one, 09, that designates national. But if you look on that document down at the bottom of that field, it's got non-citizen national. Mm-hmm. Okay. They've, yeah. That's why they're having to go through these gyrations is because they're trying to keep the cover-up going. That's right. my opinion. Yeah, I, just- that's, I can't say that for sure. But I know these guys pretty well at this point, okay? Oh, yeah, and I, I don't have any doubt about that, that you know your stuff cold about that. I just wanted to make sure that there was no clandestine government contract by being labeled as a diplomatic courier. That's all. No, I, I don't think so. Sure. I think it's just – and the reason they put that there is because a diplomatic courier would just about have the same uh, limitations on him that a national would have, wouldn't it? Yeah, see his hands off okay Mm -hmm. and i think that's why they're using that diplomatic courier ambassador at large Uh, we've heard several different categorizations but i think that's why that's happening yeah yeah okay okay well very good yeah very much and of course, inside the passport on, the, on that front page, it says U.S. passports are only issued to citizens of the United States slash nationals. It tells you right there. It just doesn't say, but we're going to differentiate you if you're a national because you're real special. Well, they're not going to yeah. do that. They're not going to oh, give you be- anything that you can go to your neighbors for with and go, nah, 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 I'm different than you are. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that on Title 22, this is uh, Code of Federal Regulations, uh, ecfr.gov, and it says regular passport. A regular passport is issued to a national of the United States. That so is it. says it. Right. It says it right there. Uh-huh. It doesn't say citizen. It says national. Yeah, and then they so. come in, and, what's, and what I think, just as you're reading that to me, and then the presumption kicks in and they change it to a citizen of the United States. If you don't expressly tell them that you're that, the presumption shifts that you're the other. Because they've got a birth certificate, they've got all this bankruptcy, the surety, all this lineage coming down from the people before you in your family that haven't opted out. Well, hell, I guess you're a citizen of the United States surf then, aren't you, Mike? (laughs) Yep, that makes sense. And see, that's the real wicked thing of this is they've hidden it so well, and the only way to get out of it is to expressly tell them, no matter how simplistic, to this one guy. As I'm fond of saying, one piece of paper, one sentence to one guy gets you out of this. It's unbelievable. It really is. Well, now you see why they've gone to one of the reasons they've gone to such lengths to hide it, don't you? Because the remedy's so easy, and they can't say no. Yeah. 
We got them in a corner here. This is checkmate, Satanists, Sabbatean, Zionist bastards. Checkmate. Show me what you're going to do. You're either going to recognize your system or you're going to take the mask off and show us that you're open tyrants like you love to play. When you got this little hole card under you, you love to play tyrant, don't you? Well, we're going to pull the hole card out from under you. Now pay tyrant. Now play it. The, you know, and what's the best excuse they've got? This feeble-ass letter that people are getting. And it's feeble. Yeah, and it's not a real rebuttal because they're not saying it under penalty. Of and they're not telling you you can't do anything except something you hadn't asked them to do, attach some kind of paperwork to an existing passport, mm-hmm. which none of us have done. At least if you did it, you weren't a very damn good student. So I'm sure you've addressed this before plenty of times on the show and other interviews, but if you have a current U.S. citizen passport um, and you actually haven't lost it, do you do a DS-82? Yes, yeah, yeah, you do a DS-82 because what's technically happening behind the scenes is you're changing legal personalities. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, you got one that's open, existing. Hell, it may have nine years left on it. You got to send it in. You get a passport card. They'll send your book back immediately. They'll send your passport card back when it's processed. But now you got two different legal personalities. So then the national, the national status would override that because there's an affidavit in place. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, who was trying to say so? Roger there? This is Bruce. This hey, is Bruce. Roger. Well, Roger. Well, hold on, Wahib. You were second this time. Go ahead, Bruce. Just a matter of fact, you are a foreigner to the United States. That's correct. You're alien. That came up the other day. You're not from Mars, but you're alien from the federal government. Does that make sense, Mike? Yeah, I was actually starting to question, uh, not because I was trying to poke holes, but just to learn more about it. When, When the affidavit says, and not a citizen of the United States, I was, for a second, I was like, Hmm, could that be classified as expatriation? No, but no, it's not. I looked, I, I looked further into it. And I'm like, well, that's not the definition of an expat or an expatriate. That's someone who has actually left the country to live in another country like you have with Ecuador, um, where they where a person has renounced their citizenship they, they, to live somewhere they, else. They actually renounce their citizenship of the United States. And to do that, it's a very specific procedure. you got to deal with one certain guy at the embassy in the country you're in. It used to, you could do it in a day. Now it takes weeks and four or $5,000. And you've actually got to have the other country's passport before they will expatriate you. So you're trading slave passports is what you're doing. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh-huh. it, it cannot be considered expatriation. No, it's not. It, well, it's not because you're not expatriating. You're going back over to the status they, that's equal that they've hidden from us. Yes. Okay. That's repatriation, not expatriation. Yeah, in other words, you're you're going home to your real. You're, country. you're going home to daddy, and you get your <laughs> law. You get your laws from God, and you owe him the duties now. Not this, right. bunch Satanist, not this bunch of Satanists, not this bunch of Satanist slaving thieves. Wahib, front and center. 
Yes, sir. Uh, you were saying, I think if I heard you correctly, about a month or two, two one to two months ago, you said something to the effect of that uh, if if somebody has had the corona, took uh, the COVID-19 shot, the vaccination, that none of this process. Now, I have We're talking, is, you're talking theory. But that if they took the vax, that none of this is, is of value to them in theory they've changed you you're a transhuman and not a human now this is the case that todd colander is is has taken to the 10th circuit in denver the appellate level okay i don't know what the disposition of that anthony are you still with us anthony's not with us yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Okay. Well, has Collender got a disposition on that 10th Circuit hearing he had? Um, I'm not really sure exactly what went on, but um, the DOD and the DOJ did not move to dismiss. They didn't move to dismiss. Well, they can't because the, there are countries around the world, Wahib, that are already starting to build these laws for transhumans. Now, now, of wow. course, all right, this is theory, but he, fraud vitiates any contract. If they're going to try and take ownership of you because it was all based on fraud, what, what, what application is that? You see, these are things that we just don't know. But theoretically, if they change your gene structure and your DNA, they, there's a legal phrase for it, Wahib. It's called perfecting collateral. It's when... When you when you perfect your collateral, there's no wiggle room for the collateral. And you see, before you get the shot, the jab, you can file this affidavit. But theoretically, after you've been jabbed and they've changed your DNA, you shouldn't be able to. But there is fraud involved. So who the hell knows what the disposition is going to be? My suggestion would be to go ahead and send it in and let them let them prove their damn position i'm not referring to me i have not i'm I'm not referring to you either i'm just answering your question oh okay yes yes hey can i throw in yes only you though okay hey um this is for lou i put i i text you uh sarah's 16 minute um interview and also i put it up in the chat Thank you, That's Brent. It. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, How am I going to hold this chat? Because you can't do that on Europhone. No, you don't do anything on Eurofolk except listen. I think yesterday, and I doubt if Brent put it in the Chitango chat, but uh, uh, I don't know what to tell you, Wahib. You can't access it. you got to go uh, find hi, it my, on your own. Uh, hi, my name's Caroline, and I'm new. Hello, Caroline. Hi. Yes, I have a, a statement and, you know, general kind of a question, I guess. I wanted to back up and talk about Amy Coney Barrett. And um, did you, you know, did anybody ever realize what I realize is that um, I feel that she is compromised or has the ability to be compromised because she has adopted kids from Haiti? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so so we don't really know. We don't know, like, if that we was fast-tracked somewhere or somewhere along the line and became very innocent, started out very innocent, but in the end, in the end run, it opens her she's, up for... Well, she certainly had some questionable votes on some of these cases. I'll tell you that right out front. 
Absolutely. You know who's cl- you know she was a clerk at the Supreme Court before she got appointed. Do you know that? Yes. You know who the cl- who she clerked for? No. I, I'm sure I did, but I don't know now. Justice Scalia. Oh my God. I believe that Justice Scalia, you know, okay, here I'll just come out with the whole conspiracy theory. I believe that Justice Scalia did not die of natural causes. No, no way. Um, yeah, and I believe that he was so well-liked and so beloved that no one would ever think anyone would cause him harm. They thought Hillary had it in the bag. So there you go. That's my theory. Well, I obviously, that. well he, was, he was murdered. There's no question about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And because of his, some of his stances and because of his conservatism. and uh, But he was very, very Catholic. And I'm sorry that music is so loud. Give me just a second. See, I didn't turn the music down when we started. So, that's, Sorry, that's Pat. Go ahead. I don't, I don't know about you, Roger. I always sleep with my pillow over my face. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, my, it's of my opinion, and um, I am a political person, and it's of my opinion that... And my experience that generally people are compromised and they don't know it long before they're ever chosen. Their that's path. Pro- I'm sure but, that's probably true. Caroline, you're new. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Pennsylvania, the great state of Pennsylvania. Oh, We're yeah, under attack your, here. Well, yes, with your lovely new senator. Um, yeah. How'd you find well, out he, about us? My husband. My husband turned turned me on to you. I'm oh. a political person. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I've fought with the big boys, took on the big boys, and uh, give them some bruises, you know. So I, I come out swinging. I have some other things maybe we yeah. could uh, be interested in. Like uh, you said something about President Trump and you didn't know how he did something, uh, something with the FBI. Maybe maybe he's got a friend. Maybe he's got a friend. Well, maybe. But I do know this, mm-hmm. Caroline. We're out of time and we don't have time to okay. discuss it. But I'm going to certainly welcome you back. Well, we got a full b- a bank of time, and we can. So uh, glad you found us, and it doesn't sound like you and Hubby are are uh, uh, 